I still don't really know how there's damn sand from the Sahara Desert in Nashville. It's the trade winds, all sorts of crazy stuff. I'm just saying, imagine if you was a kid, like you talking to your grandparents or your great-grandparents, and you try to tell them, you know what? One day there's going to be sand from the Sahara in Nashville. They'd slap the shit out of you and ask you if you was on drugs. Everyone, my name is John Edwards, and with me, as always, is Zeke Baker, and together we make the Dad's Drink of Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day. How are you, Zeke Baker? Perplexed as always. Why are you perplexed? I'm still baffled about this. I mean, I I get science clearly. I at least have a smidge of it in my educational background here, but again, saying. From the Sahara Desert in Nashville, Tennessee, just does not equate in my world. I like to be here for you. I like to have answers for you. And so from Wired.com, they say it's normal for Saharan dust to blow into the Americas. In fact, the phosphorus it carries is a reliable fertilizer of the Amazon rainforest. The dust makes the journey year after year, starting around mid-June and tapering off around mid-August. The good news is the dust plumes can actually deflate newly forming hurricanes that they might encounter on the way over but this happens all the time it just so happened to be a big thick one this past time i mean you said sahara i was talking about the sahara whatever (laughs) (laughs) well at least you had something to blame what i'm sure were more than a few um errant golf shots on sand got that one damn no i have to tell you that with all the sand in the air when i was playing golf over the weekend that you would hit the ball up in the air you couldn't see the ball you could not see it there were some shots i had that i knew i hit very very well i'm like i have no idea where that golf ball went and then you go down you look around the the fairway and you're like oh damn you made it over there so they were always in the fairway though not you know rough hazard ob now i didn't hit hazard or ob a lot on the the first shot i played with a three wood i couldn't get off with my driver very well so i was just teeing off with the three wood trying to stay somewhere where i could find it that's a tough space to be man you know everybody says literally like driving is the easiest part of the game no it's not i'm just telling you it's what the professionals say i mean i had a thing like my senior year in high school i didn't even carry a wood in my bag all i carried was a one iron what professionals ever told you that driving is the easiest part of the game because if you look at the statistics on the pga tour in the fairway is not always something that is a given for them I don't know. Maybe it goes back to the old adage of a drive for show and putt for dough. I'm just telling you, I was always told growing up, driving is the easiest part of the game. Don't think about it. Just hit the damn ball and keep going, boy. Well, whoever told you that is wrong. Multiple people. Today's show is sponsored by CastCartel.com, changing the industry standard in how you get your alcohol. It is very much a convenience play, and what they do, they're like the Amazon of the spirits industry. They hook you up with merchants that will ship directly to your door from the comfort of your own home. You could be sitting on the couch like Zeke is right now, hanging out, having a pour, realizing you need to order another bottle, 
go ahead and go to cascartel.com, get it sent to you. It's not just whiskey, it's also gin, it's vodka, it's rum, it's tequila, it's mezcal. They have a whole bunch of stuff. Go to cascartel.com and get it shipped right to your door. Also, go ahead and follow them on Instagram at cascartel. They're always doing awesome giveaways for their followers. Zeke, you want to know what we're drinking tonight? Always. I mean, it's a mystery. You, you just leave me these random Boston rounds. They have letters, numbers, or symbols on them. It, it's like I'm trying to solve a, a mystery. Well, we are drinking some barrel bourbon and some barrel rye. So Barrel sent us over, and thank you very much, Barrel. They sent us over the newest batch of their bourbon, batch 24, and then they sent us batch 3 of their rye. We're going to go through these. We'll talk about them. Barrel Bourbon Batch 24 is an actual mix of high rye bourbons. So this is kind of right up our alley when you think about it. It is 9, 10, 13, and 15-year-old barrels of Tennessee, Kentucky, and Indiana. It's 113.9 proof, 56.95% ABV, and it retails for about 80 bucks. Hold on now. You, you went a little fast for me. I'll, I'll admit it. 9, 10, 13, 15 year. I know there was a lot of information there and you were correct. Indiana, Tennessee, and Kentucky. Yes, sir. And all high rye. Yes, sir. Well, I'm going to punt this to you because, well, it's your department. But what from Tennessee is a high rye? So there actually were other mash bills that were made at a certain distillery that were kind of like MGP mash bills. Remember that Colonel Hunters that we picked from Leaper's Fork a few years ago? Mm-hmm. That was a high rye bourbon. Mm. It's up to nine though and eight by now. I thought what we tried was like four or five. Some of this other stuff. I mean, you never know what people have in the one distillery that you can go pick up someplace. Okay. Well, I mean, brokers have it, not the distillery most likely. And it could now. be one of these things where three out of the four were high rye. So then that would make me think that the Tennessee presence in this one was not as higher if it was an 84, 8, and 8 mixed with some high rye bourbons, you know? Check the wording just so we're not in the wrong here. Does it say that everything in the blend is of a high rye or the final result was a high rye? Let me go back. Baby, come back. It just says, so I'm on mash and grape. That's the only place that's actually saying a barrel is not going deep into this, but it says barrel bourbon batch 24 is a marriage of high rye bourbons raging in age from nine to 15 years old. Fair enough. As long as we do our uh, you know due diligence, I don't feel as bad. So let me just check this out real quick. If you go to barrel bourbon and then go to try to find stuff out about the bourbon, it just sends you to mash and grape anyway. So I have to assume that that information was correct. Okay. No, fair enough. I mean, half the reason I even bring it up is just because barrel is to me, at least normally more transparent than most places. So I feel like they're always fairly good about giving you a decent amount of details. You know, they're not going to tell you what the recipe was, but at least going to tell you everything that was in there. No, I would agree with you on that. So I, I could just assume that they put some 84, 8, and 8 along with some other stuff, or it's one of those freak batches from Tennessee that is a high rye. Anyways, what did you think about this one, my friend? Let's see here. For batch 24 of the whiskey nose, the first thing I really pick up is a, a floral type of wood. I tried to really pinpoint to what the exact floral note I was getting 
Um, I kind of danced with it for a little bit and finally just concluded to go with cherry. I'm sure there's some other variants in there that folks may get. And, you know, they're all cut from the same cloth, basically. But behind it, there's this kind of weird musty thing going on that I, I really couldn't put my finger on as much. Revisiting it, it kind of distracted me for a while. And I still really couldn't wrap my head around where it went from that floral wood this kind of musty feeling and then i really just decided maybe it's just the age showing in the product and behind that was just a little bit of malt palette wise a cornucopia of misdirection is about the best i could really uh say here there was a pop of heat a flash of sweet dash of oak dab of bitter and a little bit of oak thrown back in there again i put down literally it was just a hot mess not in the sense of proof (laughs) <laughs> but it was just a hot mess without direction that then just kind of when it finished, just, just had a, a bitterness to it. Not really my jam. Fair enough. I, uh, on the other hand, I couldn't get over on the nose just how creamy this one was. Like it was like thick ice cream and I could just tell it was a high viscosity. I mean, it was thick. Uh, peppery spice gives way to lots of different fruits on the end of the nose, For the taste, I could totally tell it was a mature blend. Black pepper spice tingles the front of your mouth, but you also have like this tingling sensation, but also the caramel coating of your mouth at the same time. The funny thing is, is that it was only in the front of my mouth. The majority of that stuff was in there. That lingered to uh, a drier oak tobacco and leather that you get as this whiskey takes you closer and closer to the finish line and then i would say for the finish it almost goes back and the finish to me was really primarily on the front palate nose wise i could definitely see where you're like it's the the initial you know whiff of it so to speak it is it's, it's floral and creamy and I, I, i'm with you there it's just after that I wouldn't say the train comes off the track. It just like multiplies like (laughs) into four different vehicles going opposite directions. I just think the thing that is kind of crazy on this one is that everything moves back up front instead of going like the natural progression of how the liquid goes through your, your body. It doesn't move that way. I don't feel anything in the chest, especially for something that's almost 114 proof. It just stays in the front of your mouth. I think for the most part, high rye bourbons don't necessarily always give you that big hug or warm, fuzzy feeling. To me, it just doesn't find an identity or a a specific theme. And I guess some people may want to tell me that would be complexity, but there's just no backbone or permanent direction to it to me no i totally got a theme on this and i think i got some complexity i think it's just not what you would expect i think there's people that are looking for certain things like yourself and i think it's so unique in the sense that how this finish goes and just everything about this pour i think you need to kind of get out of your mind what you think a pour like that would be like and just enjoy the experience for what you have in front of you maybe i'm getting high maintenance in my old age you've been high maintenance for seven years as far as i know it's getting worse i think i'll be honest there are you about to start sitting out on your porch telling people to get off your lawn no 
I'm just saying, like, there's a noticeable difference, like you and myself, in throwing back some pores with people and not thinking about it versus somebody like, what'd you really think about that one? Eh, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I have my narrow window of <laughs> what I think's good. And that margin seems to be getting smaller some days. <laughs> Fair enough. What is your final verdict on this? The thing that I will say I definitely appreciate the most with all the different blends from Barrel, there's never really a, like a central theme and nothing seems forced. I mean, each one, because what were the last two we had, what, three or four months ago, maybe a little more than that? Yeah, we had the American Malt, and then we had Rye, I believe, Batch 2, and it might have been 21. I thought we even had two batches of the, of the, the bourbon or whiskey. I mean, it was a while back, but e- either way. It I was remember- barrel bourbon batches, 20 and 21, and American Vatted Malt. Yeah, but in those two batches, I remember one, both of us were just kind of like, eh. Not really sure why this one made it to the shelf stock. But then the one behind it was, all right, I could enjoy this all day long. I guess where I'm trying to go is, to me, that's the you know beauty of, of Barrel and, and what they've done for years now is they don't, at least to me as a consumer, strive to always generate one specific profile or have you know, certain aspects to each of their blends. They truly are 100% unique. And we're not all cut from the same cloth, just like you and I. We disagree more than we agree. So inevitably, you know, they're just pushing the boundaries of folks like, oh, do you like this? Do you like that? Here's this. Here's that. Explore something. Try something new. I appreciate that as opposed to folks that want to do the same thing over and over and over in that NDP space. And that is something I like about a lot of these NDPs that blend is they are going to have different batches and different profiles. So beautiful thing is, all right, this one isn't your jam. You can find a batch sometime that is going to be your jam. Yeah, I think it's literally just, you know, whichever marketing strategy you go for. Some folks want to be known for a certain profile and that's fine. But if you're known for pushing the boundaries, then by all means, push it, which they definitely do. They've carved out that niche quite well. And I remember thinking years ago, like, how are these folks really going to keep doing this? But they are, and they're, they're doing it well. They even have on the back of their bottles, each batch is unique. Anyways, moving on, I think I'm a buy and you are a pass on this one. It just strikes me a lot. Hits me in the wrong spots. I like it just because it's one of those cigar pours, the dried tobacco. I mean, I love the creaminess on the front. You know, as a big guy, I'm going to like ice cream. And I like how it kind of goes to that oak tobacco, uh, you know, pairs well with a cigar. Moving on to barrel rye batch three. This is a mix of some young MGP rye, Polish rye, 13-year-old Canadian rye. It clocks in at 116.7 proof. 58.35% ABV. It is a mix of some different whiskeys. The youngest is four years. Which presumably would be the the 95.5 component. I would think so. What do you think about this one? Um, I mean, I'm interested in the mash. That's that's quite a unique spin. I think the Polish and the Canadian is interesting putting that in with it. Yeah, like when you said it, the first thing I thought back to was... The first malted blend they did, how was it called? Uh, I can't remember. At any rate, you know, thinking back, you know, the past few years of some of the releases we've been able to try, they've thrown some interesting curves in there. 
I have no idea what the percents are from these, obviously, or ages, but it's funny uh, kind of where either it really hits you in a really good spot or you're kind of like, ah, there's parts of this I like, but something just didn't settle. You know, it's like when there's just too many mushrooms on a pizza or some shit. I, I can get that. <laughs> um, so for the rye, I thought that the nose was more green star brights than Wrigley's. I know we had this discussion recently, so hopefully you still recollect what the star bright what thing is, you know? I do. I All do. right. There. As I went a little bit deeper in the nose, man, it, it just reminds me of Christmas. And the fact we're in the middle of June, it took me a second to get there. But as I thought about it, I mean, it's somewhere between like having a live tree, baked goods with ginger. It's whatever you smell when you were a kid, like your parents or grandparents' house during that time. But it's just like that festive Christmas smell. I, I, for lack of more descriptive terms, I just really thought it hit the nail on the head in that regard. Palette-wise, the initial pop was a fair amount of warmth, which I didn't get much ethanol on the nose, but it, it, it definitely popped and let you know it was there when it hit the tongue. Behind that, I would say a continued star bright flavor up under the heat, kind of sugars and sweets really just matched that profile to me pretty well. And then mid to back palate, it did kind of a strange turn and I got some bitterness and it it just seemed very earthy and organic on the back palate to finish. That was the best way I could put it. It wasn't like I was tasting dirt necessarily, but just, I don't know. Organic and earthy was what kept popping in my head as a way to describe it. Nose for me, I said, smells like MGP rye with the pine. There's some complexity behind it, but you're digging deep to get past that pine that's on the nose. The taste, it's interesting that it's creamy and spicy on the front palate, but not past that point. I still get some pine, maybe orange, maybe a little bit of chocolate. There are aspects of this that hit a higher note than others. It's not a super long finish. I still get some tingle in the mouth. There's just something about this one that wasn't my favorite, and it's hard to put my my finger on exactly what it was, but there was just something that maybe it was the pine, and we all know that I need a break from pine, but there was just something that I was like, eh, I would go with that batch 24 bourbon all day and not do the same with the rye. Yeah, I mean, I felt like the front end, it, it was just too bold. Like, it, it comes at you just too, too much. And it's not a necessarily a proof issue. It's just the way it, like, seems to vaporize up and off the tongue, to me, was just not what I'm looking for. And an opposite extreme, the back end, the way it just got really just earthy, bittery. I, I don't know. It just was not my jam. The middle part was good. Yeah, like I feel like it just punches you in the face. It walks up to you and punches you in the face, and then you're kind of like, all right, well, what do I do now? Yeah, it's like you you, you get the punch in the nose, and then you're kind of, you know, cross-eyed for a second. And you're like, oh, here's a nice little sweet spot. But then as that moves to the back, it wouldn't be a punch. I don't know what it is, but it shifts in a direction that leaves me standing at second base, I guess. Fair enough. So I am gonna say i would buy the 24 and pass on the rye what about you not knowing what's in there barrel always intrigues me now that i've had it would i get it at a bar again 
No, but I mean, I, I guess that's kind of a weird level to to go in this at. You know what I mean? Fair enough. I mean, if, if there's a barrel product I haven't had more times than not, I'm intrigued to try it just because they have so many different blends now that, I mean, I can't keep up with it in my head, that's for sure. But, you know, it, it's definitely a roll of the dice, but, you know, that's fun sometimes. In the rye space, I know they've been doing some more picks and other things now. I would think for the same amount of money, uh, you know, finding a, a good pick from a store or, or a source that, you know, you trust. Uh, I would make that leap of faith first. Anyways, thank you to the folks at Barrel for sending this our way. I am very happy that I can drink through that batch 24. Go ahead and go to BarrelBourbon.com. That is Barrel with two L's to find out more. You can get the Dad's Drinking Bourbon official Glencairn if you go to PremiumBarProducts.com. They not only have the Dad's Drinking Bourbon Glencairns, they have other glassware that you can personalize for yourself and bar tools. So if you want the neat glass, the Tua glass, you want the distiller's tasting glass, you can go ahead and go to premiumbarproducts.com and find it for yourself. The folks can find us on Facebook at Dad's Ricky Bourbon, Twitter at Bourbon Dads, Instagram at Dad's Ricky Bourbon. Find us wherever you download your podcasts. Leave us an open and honest review, just like we leave open and honest reviews about the whiskey we drink. Zeke, where else can the folks find us? Good old Nashville, Tennessee, minus the Sahara Desert, hopefully. Cheers. Ciao.